millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, hello, hello. You're listening to The Sound of London. This is Londonist Out Loud. I'm N. Quentin Wolfe. And this week's show is all about food of a very specific sort. We'll be uh, heading off to Chelsea in just a moment. Um, I've been looking for a particular Facebook message that I was sent in the last couple of weeks. I can't find it anywhere, so I can't uh, greet the sender of this message by name. But I've got the text of the question. The writer says, Hello, I've got a question that has bothered me for some time. While renovating Leicester Square a few years ago, hand plaques of famous people have been removed and we'll put somewhere else. Do you know where? And I put this question to the team at Londonist Towers, and uh, they drew a blank, which is quite unusual, and so they're going to investigate that and uh, turn it into an article. If that's a question that interests you, keep your eyes peeled, and if you happen to have the answer, then please, please, please get in touch, and uh, probably best to do so anonymously uh, to save me the trouble of having to forget your name as well. The show this week is sponsored by Audible. If you haven't yet signed up for your free trial of Audible, then um, have you seen the time? Come on, this needs to happen. Audible.co.uk, you get a free audiobook of your choice if you register for a one-month free trial. There are over 150,000 audiobooks to choose from. The 30-day free trial means you get to choose a free audiobook. It's yours to keep whether or not you decide to cancel in the trial period. And there's more good news. If you trialled the service over 12 months ago, and well done if you did, thank you, the good people at Audible are giving you the chance to get your hands on another audio book for free. So sign up at www.audible.co.uk slash Londonist. And I really do mean that. Listener, if my happiness means anything to you, please sign up for a free trial. As we slide easily into this week's episode, a quick shout-out to Emma Bridge, who frequently comments on Facebook. Thanks, Emma. Hope you enjoy this one. Hey, baby, let me take you down to a place of strange sights and sound. You ain't never seen the light before, just a strong throw from your front door. from the Good Life Eatery on Sloan Avenue, just around the back of Sloan Square, Southwest 3. And we're at a slab wood table against a raw brick wall, and we've achieved a gluten-free gathering here, a gluten-free gathering of two people, the other being Kim Smith, who is the head of 
a company by that name, Gluten-Free Gatherings. Hi. Hello. I'm terrified of today's interview. <laughs> What's that? I don't know what I'm talking about today. Uh, quite literally, I've no idea. I couldn't point uh, a gluten out in a crowd. That's a surprise. If you don't have to eat gluten-free, you don't need to worry about it. No, right. I was, in fact, I was reading up on your website. I was trying to bone up and sound vaguely intelligent on the subject. Um, and it's, it's worked this well so far. And on your website, you list not only one or two things that I have heard of, like celiac, like gluten-free, but you also mention a whole load of other things. They sound very refined and, and, and specific positions on the gluten-free spectrum, I presume. Is it worth unpacking in broad strokes what gluten-freeness is all about, what, the, what gluten intolerance, uh, celiac disease, all of that stuff? So basically, um, one of the main diseases that causes people to eat gluten-free is something called celiac disease, and that's an autoimmune disease, so it's not an allergy or an intolerance, where the body just can't process gluten, which is found in wheat, barley, and rye. So it's a protein, and it causes the body to attack itself, so the only cure for the disease is to eat no gluten. I've got got a lovely image of uh, you you eating a slice of gluten bread and punching yourself in the face. You, you don't mean like that. that. <laughs> I can feel like that totally. What does it feel? What, what actually happens? Oh, uh, okay. So this is the pretty bit. So oh, is this going to be awful? Yeah. Sorry, this is really indelicate. You want to talk about over breakfast? Um, but no, I mean, some people have kind of upset stomachs. Um, some people can be sick. Um, I ended up having one of the fewer known, lesser known symptoms, which was joint pain, mouth ulcers. You can get something called brain freeze, which is like you get really foggy, kind of can't concentrate. And some of the symptoms are actually really nondescript and it's not until you put them all together. It wasn't until I got diagnosed that I realised actually I had been quite unwell, but there were just little niggly things that I dealt with um, on a daily basis. So yeah, so the symptoms are quite far and wide, which is why it's quite hard to diagnose. This sounds dangerous for me. I remember a wonderful quote from a Jerome K. Jerome book in which one of the characters who's a hypochondriac reads a medical dictionary and by the end of it is convinced that he's got everything except for housemaid's knee and I'm, I'm now wondering whether I'm uh, also you have disease. yes yes you're definitely gluten intolerant I've got a bit of a twinge in my knee for sure yeah. so we're at the uh, good life eatery which looks like a magnificent place you've eaten here before yes I have yeah because it's gluten they do lots of really good gluten-free options that are actually something you want to eat so I guess the first thing to do is try and set out the landscape of uh, a, a gluten-free London it immediately became apparent to me in an area like this which you uh, I guess you would expect to get all sorts of different eateries uh, catering for all sorts of different tastes and requirements actually there are precious few there's the eatery around the corner there's the uh, the eatery here not much else no, in this part of town in this part of town yeah it, there are pockets actually of so I don't know that many rounds here if you go to many restaurants so now there is a law that says that you have to know which allergens are in the food that you're serving so that seems reasonable doesn't well yeah you'd want yeah well some people are really objected to being able to know what's in their food so you have to be able to say whether there's gluten or wheat in the products you're serving so you should be able to eat should be able to technically um, eat safely but it's not always so easy so it's about knowing finding the places so a lot of the chains now have really good gluten-free menus but I'm all about finding the smaller independent interesting really good quality places that are actually worth that you want to eat because some gluten-free food is not very good uh, no I was, I was trying to evaluate through the shop window here whether I would want to be tucking into a gluten-free cake there's, there's something a little bit deflated looking about them is, is there an ingredient that makes them rise missing? it's the gluten so gluten is a protein and basically when you make cakes you make breads that's what gives it the structure so without that you have to find things to replace it so you have to use gums or 
Um, some people use eggs and things like flaxseed, and you can do different things. It's gluten-free cookery is a bit of an, uh, a real alchemy. You have to think differently to conventional cooking. But um, yeah, so it is missing something kind of crucial, but it's actually quite straightforward. Cakes in particular are quite straightforward to make. So what you wouldn't want, presumably, is a gluten intolerant in combination with uh, something else? Well, with other allergies, it's really, yeah. It's, and it's, it's actually really common. Um, gluten and dairy intolerances are quite common because basically when the body can't... Um, when the body can't tolerate the gluten, quite often it develops into a dairy allergy as well or a dairy intolerance. Um, so, yeah, it's quite common. Oh, I'm totally fascinated by that. How does that work? <laughs> I don't know. So the, bo- the body goes, I don't like this thing. Yeah. Oh, I think just it's so, so it goes, what, it likes salts? Is yeah. that it? No, it's just, it's a bit, it's just so damaged because you're talking about the lining of your gut. So it's been totally, totally damaged. And basically it just reacts, you know, because we shouldn't eat that much dairy anyway. You know, we haven't evolved in that way to eat that much dairy. So, yeah, so it just kind of goes, you know what, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore, which... Fair enough, really. So yeah, it's quite common. It can it can disappear, but it is quite common. So yeah, so dairy-free, gluten-free cakes are like okay. What is in this? There are, there are lots around though. It occurred to me that I don't know, and you do. What proportion of people are likely to be listening to this podcast and have a, a personal stake in it? Lots of us. But they say the Celiac UK, the charity that um, kind of supports people with celiac disease, and also with non-gluten sensitivity. They estimate that probably one in a hundred people have either have celiac disease or it's undiagnosed because it's quite hard to get diagnosed. But also the, the alternative way of thinking about it is the people that have a stake in it are that also your family. So I'm married with two children. We're going out to eat. We're going to eat somewhere where I can eat something nice and somewhere I want to eat, and I know I'm going to be able to eat safely. So actually, there are four of us with a vested interest. Or if I'm going out with a group of, you know, on a hen do, I get to kind of make an indication as to where I'd like to go because then I can eat there safely. So actually, there's a lot of people that have a vested interest in where, the, where other people who are gluten-free can eat. But also, there's the whole wave of the well-being kind of community that's interested in no gluten, no sugar, no dairy, no... Meats and things. Is this um, the, the clean eating? The clean eating. I don't like that term. Oh. There's no bad. There's no bad food. There's no bad food. It's about moderation. But um, at the same time, I don't have an issue with the clean eating well-being movement because it's brought, it's raised the awareness of gluten-free and the need for gluten-free products and people wanting those. There's more people wanting those because they've got a different reason to eat it, but they still want it. So they have really helped just in places like the Good Life Eatery. Actually, it's more out of a paleo wellness thing rather than someone that's a celiac who totally, totally can't eat any gluten. So it's totally benefited us. That term paleo it caught my attention. Yeah. It, 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 that's not a caveman diet thing, is it? Yeah, it's a caveman it diet. It is? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Uh, what would I need to be eating if I'm a caveman? So that's, so basically it's nothing that's been processed technically. There's a, there's a spectrum of paleo, I would say. So it includes no grains, so nothing that would have been farmed. So it's very kind of primal. It's meats, it's fish, it's berries and fruits and vegetables and things that would have grown more naturally. So moving away from processed grains and things like sugar. Yeah. So. You know which bit of your life I'm about to ask about, right? <laughs> 
You used to work in a ready meals factory. I did. I worked all over the place. Yes. <laughs> I, I really it want was to. My education. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, before that, I was at a flavour house as well. Uh, a flavouring. Okay. House. Well, let's do these then. Okay. Where should we start? <laughs> start at the beginning. So, I graduated from university with a degree in food and consumer studies. So, I studied everything to do with the food. But basically, the jobs were in the large-scale manufacturing world. Uh, a food manufacturing so I ended up working for a flavour house um, so I would be making chicken taste more like chicken after it had been processed because once you process the food it's been kind of it's not as tasty or the quality you're starting out with to begin with isn't as good as it isn't as flavoursome maybe I've got like a chemistry lab in, yeah, in my yeah. mind I was white coat hair net yeah like the whole yeah playing around with powders and liquids that didn't resemble food um, so yeah that's where I started out so making things like um, their flavoured rice cakes um, so putting powders all over those making them taste like blueberries or something um, can we have some deep dark secrets of that industry <laughs> you don't want to eat it yeah, well, it's maybe, amazing maybe not no come. I mean it's it's it's, a, it's an amazing industry because it's creating flavours that are mimicking what's in the natural world so it's pure science which was really not my territory I was looking to kind of be baking cakes but it's um, for me it's too processed it's too far away from what food should be um, yeah and I was working in a ready meal factory as well yeah I, that was my place well, no hold on you don't get off the hook that light so <laughs> yeah. you've got I don't know some, some chicken crisps or something that, yeah. that, that don't currently taste yeah. of chicken yeah. how do you go about making them taste like chicken so you get lots of different types of chicken flavours so you get something that's a chicken thigh or a roasted chicken thigh or a chicken stock flavour and maybe so an actual thigh. chicken at this point and, no, not chicken powders. Pure the, powders. Yeah, what's, so, what are the powders though? Factory, like I don't even know. It wasn't, you don't I wasn't know. even allowed. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to know. Yeah. So you get all these different profiles of chicken flavours, like powders and liquids, and you blend them together in a way that would make it taste like a really lovely chicken. But, you've, but, but despite what you're saying about allergens, you've got no actual idea what goes into the flavouring. It was pure chemicals. Nice. I like the, the beaming smile with which you say that. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a lifetime ago. It's, yeah, it's not something... I, it, yeah, it's not food. It wasn't food. Is there any element of that that sh- should worry the average consumer? I mean, is it... Do you consider it to be bad for you? Personally, I do, yeah. I don't think it's food. I think it's overly, massively, massively processed... I'm of the Michael Pollan school of thought, who is an American intellectual around the food production and the food world, and he says, eat food, and that your grandmother would recognise to be food. And if you look at, particularly in Free From, like so many of the ingredients you would look, I should have brought you something to look at, you know, a bread, well, bread would normally be made from, you know, wheat, flour, water, yeast, maybe, maybe sugar, but salt. You, you've got like 20 ingredients and you kind of, you know, methyl hydro celluloid, I don't even know what half these things are, and I've worked in that world as well, you know, so I don't think it's particularly good, and actually when you're when you have a dietary issue you know, I have a digestive disease, technically and to be putting all that into my body, which is not 100, wasn't 100% I don't, it's, for me it's counterintuitive so it was my education and as a result, I now seek out places that are much use more natural ingredients and use um, don't use flavourings and preservatives and all these things that we don't really know what they're doing to our bodies. Yeah, Joanna Blythman is the person to talk to about that. 
What does she do? She's an investigative food journalist and she really unearths and really gets to grips with what is in our food. And yeah, she's the guru on it. I couldn't believe how much sugar there is in bread. Yeah, well, including free bread. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, it's one of the issues. It's interesting The over the years, um, the free-from breads used to be very, very high in fat because you're, rep- you're trying to replicate like a real like, like light supermarket spongy white sliced bread and you're doing that without the gluten, which is what gives it that lightness and that kind of texture. So basically one of the ways you can do that is by adding a lot of fat, a lot of salt and a lot of sugar. Also, because then it makes it taste nice, because without it, it wouldn't taste very nice. So yeah, for a long time, the, the bread, a lot of the gluten-free brands were very high in fat and also sugar as well. But it's one of the biggest problems is that there are a lot of free-from products, which are perceived to be healthy, aren't healthy at all. You know, if you compare a gluten-free crumpet with a free-from crumpet, it's definitely not better for you. The amount of sugar that's packed away into just about everything. Well, we've had the, the famous pasta sort of thing going on just very recently. So what's the deal with sugar? It makes things taste nice. That's simple. But you shouldn't eat that in a tomato sauce, should you? Well, I, well, I put, when I make a tomato sauce at home, I put a pinch of sugar in just to balance the acidity. But I wouldn't put three or four tablespoons in. Um, processing's a really harsh when you're making a tomato sauce in a factory in a massive vat with tomatoes that have come from God knows where. The, the whole process is not conducive to flavour, so they add things to make it tasty. Also, the sugar's a preservative, so they probably add it for that reason as well. Make it last longer. Uh, I, I can't resist sticking my finger in, into the ready meals business and wiggling it about. Can you <laughs> can you reveal all? Uh, yeah, I used to work for a ready meal factory for one of the British supermarkets. We used to make ready meals, so I was in an Italian ready meal factory where we made, we extruded the pasta, so we made a lot of fresh pasta, but we also made ready meals. To be fair, those ones were actually really okay. They were The recipes were what I would say clean label, so there was no additive preservatives, colourings, flavourings. It was all as you would make it at home, but just like a humongous scale. This is such a relief already, because I I know which company you're talking about, and I live off those particular meals. Yeah. What what about further afield? Further afield, yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't know. (laughs) You you know. It's, It's all a really big process with ingredients from far and wide and it's not glamorous you know you've got a machine going squirt put you know 30 grams of white sauce on top of your lasagna it's not crafted by any means um and it's just millions do you find yourself able to consume a ready meal now no i can't consume ready meals anymore when was the last time you touched one that's a good question i don't know like a like a lasagna type. Well, the thing, thing is, though, free from there's not very many. Only recently, there's a couple of the retailers have launched more ranges. So they've got things like there's a free from macaroni cheese, there's a pizza. They're just not very good. They're not as good as something I can make at home. I mean, I I'm the other way around. I don't. I, I lo- you know I've worked in food my whole career and I it's my hobby and <laughs> my job and so I like to be able to make the stuff as well. So I'm I'm more of a case of I would go on a cookery course and and I've learned how to make gluten free baguettes so that I can have really nice fresh bread at home. I mean, obviously I buy things like pasta, but yeah, I just don't buy. Things. They just don't taste of anything. They're not. It's like when you eat, you know, if you have a curry. Like I have, if I have a takeaway, it's a curry because that's one of the safest gluten-free options. And if you have them too often, they kind of lose, they kind of lose their luster, and they're not as 
satisfying, you know. So I understand in the need of emergencies and stuff, but not really my thing. Sorry. <laughs> so, well, I'm almost wondering whether to impute a causal link then. You're working in this world of horrible ready-made food and then suddenly you get celiac disease. I mean, was there a connection? Yeah, I think there was. Well, there's a joke in my family that I made myself celiac though because I kind of like bread and baked goods and patisserie products and... You you OD'd? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) It's quite possible. Um, No, it's... Yeah, it is a joke in our family. There is a school of thought that actually... So I'm going to bore you with the science. So the mass-made manufactured bread is made really quickly. So if you're making a loaf of bread at home, it would take the best part of a day to kind of rise and prove and things. Whereas mass-produced bread is made really, really fast. It's a process called the Chorleywood process. And basically they're able to force the bread to rise really quickly. Now there is a school of thought that that has exposed gluten to the body in a way that we would never have had it so there's a whole chain this whole chain for kind of slow rise sourdough kind of super supernatural slow risen bread that's how we would would have made bread before the kind of 60s and there is a feeling that that has maybe been a cause to the kind of weight the increase of gluten sensitivity and gluten intolerance um, so yeah so jokes aside it could actually and also the volume we eat you know people have toast for breakfast a sandwich for lunch and pasta for dinner and it's a huge amount of wheat and actually it's not good for us to be eating that much um, yeah so that may be jokes aside that probably could be the case ah, so this, this is a rising phenomenon then. well there's certainly the gluten intolerance and just the awareness of how wheat makes people feel so yeah I was wondering about that whether it's an increased awareness or an increased incidence so. yeah I mean celiac disease is a genetic disease as well so I, I was predisposed because it's in my family but there is, I think there is a massive, you know, celiac educators themselves have done a lot to raise the awareness, but also people like Gwyneth Paltrow and people writing books like Wheat Belly, and these kind of things where they're really raising awareness about what wheat, how wheat makes you feel. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to do with that. So this is excellent news for your business, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it was great timing. Yeah, I mean, I started the business before this real bandwagon kind of wave took off and it was born purely out of the fact that eating as a celiac when you don't know many other people who are gluten-free this is before it was kind of super cool to be gluten-free or even acceptable you know to be able to go in a restaurant and say oh I've got celiac disease and the waiters go what? you what? I mean I got called a a celeriac at a wedding (laughs) in the front of the whole wedding party you know so it was not cool to be well hold on are are you a celeriac? no I'm not a Uh, vegetable no so basically it was it was a bit depressing you know and you know being passionate about food and desperate to find the place that I actually wanted to eat and celebrate those places I just wanted to take my friends with me and I grew the business basically out of Twitter meetups so people that I knew on Twitter who were also gluten free who also happened to live in London and we would just get together and eat and so I kind of formalised that but also giving people an opportunity to not worry about the food so you go out for dinner you're like okay so what can I have what options are there and then they'll bring the wrong thing they'll bring a salad with the croutons or they'll bring a stick of wafer in your ice cream and actually say hello to a new era of mental health care cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online you'll experience the all-new cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you 
You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I organize it. We go to places that are super, super gluten-free aware or they're entirely gluten-free. We went to a bakery up in Islington called Artisan Gluten-Free Bakery, which is 100% gluten-free. So we went there, we had dinner. So nobody has to worry. And actually, it's really, really nice to be able to do that. And then it's just about connecting people, getting people offline. You know, there's, like, like I said in the beginning, there's lots of people who are gluten-free for whatever reasons. I don't care why they are, but it's just about showing showing people there's a really there are some really good options out there that aren't that very narrow aisle of the supermarket that everybody stands and looks at a bit depressed <laughs> so part of this then presumably is a reassurance that whatever the food is it's going to be okay but also uh, it sounds as though taking the pressure off having to do the politics around it must yeah, be a big relief totally yeah so to, to just let somebody else you know being a celiac people know I take it seriously and also got you know 20 odd people that are gluten intolerant or whatever for dinner you're going to make sure it is safe for them yeah so um, can we talk strategy yeah because the hemp party scenario sounded like a particularly tricky one to me because the last thing anybody wants to be thinking about on their hen night they want to be thinking about getting hammered and not, not thinking about anything at all and then along comes a gluten free person what's your strategy for approaching a difficult situation like that so get in at the beginning I mean, if they're friends of yours people probably know you have a, a, a dietary requirement anyway yeah that's that's easy but if you're a more distant friend of the, uh, of, the of the person in question you've got trouble haven't you make yourself known I mean that's the biggest thing is in dealing with living 
gluten-free anyway is you do have to talk about it so talk about it as soon as possible as soon as the invite comes speak to the people I mean luckily nowadays it is pretty straightforward most people can cater it's just about how well they do it um, but yeah just be really open um, and I would probably personally I would probably get in touch with the venue beforehand just to reiterate it and make yourself known you know you don't have a back channel <laughs> yeah totally so I never trust anybody so it's well not never trust anybody but I just always want to be sure it's better to be organised and make sure that people are aware that you're coming and because also quite often then they'll get really cool stuff for you so they'll buy in some nice gluten free bread something from some amazing bakery in London or they'll get you know they'll make special they'll make everybody's cakes gluten free on some afternoon tea or something so yeah you, you can often with a bit of warning restaurants are better able to cater for you I've heard that the vegetarian and vegan uh, situations where, where somebody announces that they are one of those things and they get given like a, a leaf of lettuce in place of the main meal. Do you, do you run across stuff like that? Oh, all the time, yeah. It's the it's the, the the salad option is quite often the only thing you can eat or yeah, like meat and no chips. Like you go like go to, I've been to places where you get offered. Oh yeah, you can have the steak. What about the chips? What do you mean about the chips? So the chips, what are they? Are they fried with other things like onion wings? Is that of course cause contamination? Oh yeah. Okay, so you can have a salad. Oh right, chips, chips and no go. You know, all the fun things disappear. So yeah, quite often you get, you can be presented with the boring options. Less likely, less less so though. Less so now. Well, I, I guess it'd be a good opportunity there to fly the flag for some places around town that uh, are doing it well. Yeah. Oh, there's amazing amount. Actually, in preparing for today, I was. The list was getting a bit long. Um, so How are we gonna do, are we gonna split London up a little bit? Uh, yeah, we can do that. Where should we go first? Uh, so there's like a Ooh. Well I'm, I'm, I'm glancing I'm glancing down at your notes yeah. here. You've got a list as long as your arm. Well this is nothing. This is like this is what I remembered off the top of my head this morning. Um, so kind of weirdly Borough Market and London Bridge is a real real hive of gluten-free options actually you've got roast the restaurant above the market they do so their brunch and their breakfast option which is you know breakfast is one of the most wheaty you know pastries and toast and waffles and things stuff that you can't it's normally the most boring option you get yogurt and fruit and no granola and um, they do really good brunch and breakfast options um but also they have a separate toaster so they really get it so they've got gluten-free bread and a separate toaster they give you a separate jam and everything so and the food is just amazing in there they even have a gluten-free kind of granola thing from one of the producers called mini magoo downstairs they do a gluten-free breakfast stuff so they serve that that's really good um and also at, at borough market as well there's loads of producers who are doing lots of gluten-free stuff there's a bakery there there's another restaurant called elliot's so the owner of elliot's is a celiac and he was the chef there when it first opened so they've just got a really good awareness and there's lots of very naturally gluten-free food that doesn't kind of doesn't need a label but it's all really really good and who else and the ginger pig do gluten-free sausages the sausages you can't a lot of them you can't have because they use rust as a binder and a filler oh wow that's a that's a little hidden one isn't it <laughs> yeah so and also so there's a lot of their sausages I mean their meat's amazing anyway but a lot of their sausages are gluten free so they're really good 
and then there's also another restaurant that's not long been open called Rockets and it's on the Borough Market edge are you, are you saying Rockets? Rockets Wocket. so W-O-K-I-T Wockets um, and they do like fresh kind of stir fries which normally I would avoid like the plague but actually what they do they're really aware of the cross contamination issue because with things like stir fries you use soy sauce and soy sauce uses has wheat in it oh there's gluten, gluten, yeah, sneak, sneaky gluten everywhere yeah, yeah it's everywhere so they use um, a tamari and they've got loads of gluten free options and noodles and stuff like that so they've got lots and lots of options so that's another really inclusive place to eat out in uh, Borough Market as well If you were catering for a person with this requirement in your home you've got to read up on it first haven't you this oh, is yeah, this totally. is not obvious stuff Well you can just go to the supermarket and do like buy half the aisle, the free from aisle Yeah but, but you'd never think of soy sauce You think of soy sauce there are things that are really hidden yeah soy sauce is the one that people don't often think about Yeah I mean also things like cross contamination so you're using a few toaster at home will have breadcrumbs in it and the butter might have breadcrumbs in so you have to kind of separate <laughs> let's get away from Barrow Market no, um, and then um, Islington's got lots of um, gluten free options as well so you've got the Artisan Gluten Free Bakery so they're a dedicated bakery they do the best bread ever it's unbelievable um, really just mainstream kind of white loaves brown loaves kind of multi-seed they do baguettes their scones are very good as well that's really hard to do um, so they've got a cafe but they also supply wholesalers um, to kind of other restaurants and other shops whereabouts are they in Islington? So they're, they're on Upper Street um, at the Highbury end of Upper Street um, you've also got another 100% gluten free place in on the other end in Angel called Niche which is a gluten-free restaurant. So they're like a brasserie-type restaurant, so they do burgers and fried chicken and steaks, and, but everything is gluten-free, but you don't necessarily know it, so that's a really good little place as well. Just uh, while, while you admit it, because yeah. my stomach is now reliably rumbling, as I think of the fried chicken, this kind of food, if you don't need to go gluten-free, would you still recommend it, or are you making uh, sacrifices unnecessarily? The places I recommend are the places I would take my gluten-eating friends, for sure. Because there is a, there are some places out there where it's just rubbish. Or you can tell. Not necessarily rubbish, but the phrase I quite often hear is, oh, it's good for gluten-free. And you're like, yeah, but that doesn't mean I want to eat it. It's kind well, of, As you know, if you've ever eaten diabetic chocolate, you know? Yeah, mm, yeah nearly, but... So for me, I'm all about finding the places where, you know, or my husband, he's, he's, he's what we call normal. And <laughs> he is not very forgiving of rubbish food. He likes he likes good food, and so you know he's not going to come out to dinner with me if it's if it's below par. So no. So fried chicken, for example, there's a restaurant called Bird, and in, they started in Shoreditch. They've just opened in Camden as well. And it's fried chicken, and it just so happens that the rest the perfect recipe they found after travelling around America happens to be gluten free. So. It's not fried with anything else. It's totally gluten-free. So you can have fried chicken, which was, like, insane. I've ne- I'd never... Well, it was a couple of years ago I went for the first time. We had... At my event we had there, we literally had people, like, diving in to the table, like, kind of scrabbling around for, like, these big hunks of kind of fried chicken. Because it was amazing. It was really good of its own accord, but actually it was gluten-free as well, so... These must be amazing mixers then, because if the, the only thing that people have got in common on the face of it is this particular dietary requirement, yeah. it must make for very uh, various gatherings. It does, but actually food is really uniting, isn't it? When people get together and the common theme is food, it's, it's, yeah, it really brings people together and there's, 
you know, I never have to work very hard in, in kind of in networking particularly. People are just straight in going, oh, where do you live? Where would you recommend? I've tried this product recently. Have you been here? You know, or I had this awful, you know, why are you, why are you gluten-free? What's your story? It's a really kind of personal journey everybody's on and everyone is just desperate to kind of find out more places they can eat and more things they can buy so yeah it's, it's actually really they're really high energy events everyone gets really excited but, and partly because I want to take people places that are really exciting it's not just going to a restaurant that happens to serve gluten free pasta it's about going to an entirely gluten free bakery where you can literally devour the cake counter it's not you have the one no, you can't you can't literally devour the cake Counter. People did. They were like taking stuff home. You know, it's it's that 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 opportunity to have whatever you like. There is no limit on the choices that you can make. Absolutely, you know, yeah, it's very exciting <laughs> when it's cake. Do, do people then? Um, I'm not sure whether to read this into what you're saying, but do people feel a little bit on their own uh, until, until they connect up like this? Yeah, I think it can. I mean, social media is amazing now, but it's still quite a lonely experience to be. And it's a bit depressing, you know. You kind of go out for dinner with friends, and you're the fussy eater, and you're the one that's got to get a special menu that sits there, you know, looking, trying to decipher the symbols that they've put, whether it's a GS or a GF or a whatever. You know, it can be a bit depressing. Um, and it is get, it's, I mean it's massively easier now but it's it's high risk for us to eat out so then it becomes quite stre- it can become quite stressful well come back to uh, one or two more recommendations for London in just a sec <laughs> with being a London show and all that but the thing that's been hovering over the back of my mind throughout the conversation is oh boy you wouldn't want to live in France oh no it's fine in France it's fine in France yeah. they have uh, they have fluffy bread for every fluffy meal fluffy bread yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's quite hard it's quite hard to go to France and draw over the baguettes but to go somewhere like Paris now that I think there's three gluten-free bakeries in Paris at least a couple of dedicated gluten-free restaurants um, I know a lady that's running cookery classes in Paris that are gluten-free yeah so even in France it's happening it, Italy is the best place to go to because the Italians for a long time would test every child for celiac disease so before the age of five so they've got this insane... They don't do it anymore, but they've got this insane awareness. So when you say, oh, I'm going to holiday to Italy, they're like, isn't that like a nightmare for you? Like pasta and pizza and bread. And like, no, because actually they've got an amazing awareness. So you will go to a restaurant and they'll be like, uh, i say, have you got anything gluten-free? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I've got... Oh, I've only got... I was getting apologies on my last holiday where they were saying, I've only got penne. I've only got gluten-free penne today. I normally have a rain... Or I normally make my own gluten-free pasta, but I haven't got any today. It's, yeah, it's amazing. What, what are those? So ahead of the game? Uh, I think because they were testing. Yeah, um, but what, why would that be? I think that's a good question. I don't know, actually. They haven't, I mean, given the amount of wheat they consume, you know, they haven't literally passed it every day. I think maybe there's, I don't know if there's a higher incidence of it at all, actually. It's just greater awareness for some reason. I'm not sure. I'll have to find out. Uh, let's come back to our uh, capital. Um, so, in ter- I mean, bakeries are bakeries and afternoon tea are, are kind of the sought after recommendations quite often because obviously it's bready and wheaty. There's a new bakery called Manaju, 
and that's over in Clapham Junction. And that's, well, it's not a bakery actually, it's a patisserie. It's beautiful, very, very delicate sponges and light kind of loosey foam things and beautiful presentation. Um, again, everything's entirely gluten-free. They also do some dairy-free and some sugar-free stuff as well, but you really wouldn't know the difference on that. They're amazing. Um, there is... Actually, um, one of my strategies quite often as well is going to their more Antipodean, Aussie-style cafes and restaurants. So, for example, Workshop Coffee So um, and Ozone Coffee Shop as well. So they always... Again, a bit like the Italians, they're always further ahead of the game in terms of awareness over in Australia and New Zealand. And the workshop do make their own gluten-free breads at their only at their Clerkenwell store. Um, and you can have French toast, or you can have Expenedict or something. So they're really good and really aware of it. And oh, and my absolute favourite, uh, huge shout out to Honest Burgers because burger without a bun is not a burger <laughs> and that's only happened in the last few years so you used to go to a burger like somewhere like, like one of the bigger kind of gourmet chains and they would serve it with salads oh, I knew that was coming serve a burger with salad without the bun and you'd have to eat it with a knife and fork now my other confession is I used to be a product developer for a fast food restaurant you're, I think you're kind of evil <laughs> I think you, uh, you, you. Yeah, I've gone from one side to the other. I've done it all. Um, yeah, so like to be presented with a burger with a knife and fork and a salad is not a burger. I'm sorry. Um, so recently, in the last couple of years, people have started getting gluten-free buns, and Honest Burgers were one of the first because they started out in Brixton Village, and they were opposite a gluten-free bakery that sadly is no more. So they started supplying them with gluten-free buns. And then they were like, became like a mecca. So I had friends from out of town who would come to London for the weekend and they would head to Brixton Village and they would queue up at Honest Burgers because they could have a proper burger because the chips were gluten-free and everything was gluten-free. So great, basically, as they've grown, they've got more and more popular. And then at one point, they did a special, one of their special burgers, and it was using beer or something. And they had, it caused a real issue with cross-contamination. So basically, it meant that we couldn't eat there. And there was absolute uproar on social media, and they kind of they kind of got it. They were like, okay, people really like to be able to have a gluten-free option, and it was you know bringing everybody with them. So now everything, bar a few specials that aren't going to cross-contaminate the the whole menu. So you can have onion rings, which are gluten-free. The chips are gluten-free. The specials, the bun is gluten-free. They've always got gluten-free buns in all their stores. So yeah they are awesome and they were one of the originals as well so yeah highly recommend those guys it's a bit late in the podcast this but if you're playing the Londonist out loud drinking game using the phrase gluten free this week I, I would strongly advise you stop and seek medical attention immediately <laughs> um, something I've been noticing with the list of places we've been talking about there I, I think I've got a a, I can see a commonality between the uh, the characters of those areas. I'm sort of expecting like Stoke Newington or a Walthamstow Village, places like that, to appear on the list. Oh yeah, I mean, like oh, I live in South East London, so I have a, a, a bias that way. But um, yeah, there's just I mean, that, I can't keep up with where where is opening and where are the, all the options are. There's so much. There's a lot in Hackney as well. Yeah, well, I was wondering about that because obviously it's this range of conditions and no respecters of class or economic circumstances. So are you seeing uh, gluten free? options available in places where there's not so much money around? 
Um, yeah, well, because partly because of the chains, you know, the same. Well, it, some of the chains are even accredited, so you can get accreditation from Celiac UK. So they will come into your restaurant and check to see what processes you have in place in order to make sure that the food is gluten free. So you can get accreditation. So a lot of the ch- chain. Am I allowed to mention chains? Oh, I think so. Yeah, we definitely should. <laughs> so you know, places like Carlitos and Latasca and a lot. I can't even think of the other ones. I don't go to a lot of them, but they're they're getting accreditation. So you know, like it's really quite straightforward to be able to go and eat out gluten free. Um, the, the kind of the more exciting places actually tend to be on the periphery. So, like for example, the Manaji Bakery. You know, it's in Clapham Junction. There's not really anything else around there. They're not in the kind of central place. Although saying that, an ice cream place, so an entirely free from allergens ice cream shop, has just opened in Soho, and it is dairy free, gluten free, nut free. So the woman that owns it is her son is allergic to nuts and a couple of other things so it's completely gluten free which you would think you know, in terms of ice cream you'd be like so what you know there's no gluten in ice cream but what it means is that you can have the cones you can have a lot of toppings and things like you know cookie doughs or oreo ice cream you can, literally you have again it's that thing of having full spectrum of choice you can eat anything so she's just opened in Soho so they're going all over the place if you were going to impress somebody visiting the capital yeah. where would you take them where would I take them to impress them? Well, hang on. It's just occurred to me. Where would you want them to take you? Where would you if, they, if they were standing you a mirror, where would you want them to take you? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I like the way that skewed the answer. <laughs> to choose one place is like, okay. Um, that's a really hard question. This is the thing. There's so much choice now. No, I know where I'd go. I'd go to the Truscott Arms. The Truscott Arms is a gastro pub and restaurant up in Maida Vale. You know, again, up in kind of on the outskirts. Um, the owner has a celiac father-in-law, celiac sister-in-law, and so basically most of the menu bar like two or three things. So that includes things like Sunday lunch. So your gravy, your Yorkshire puddings the whole shebang puddings there's normally one thing you can't have maybe but even stuff like the crumbles would be gluten free they're absolutely amazing and then there's proper downstairs in the in the in the bar that's proper pub food so you're talking fish and chips and burgers and onion rings and steak and chips with the chips and all the really bad stuff that is really satisfying and really good but they're yeah absolutely amazing and they won things like um sustainable restaurant things and they're, they're amazing on all levels but also they are mostly gluten free as well so yeah I'd go there and eat there all day <laughs> What greater endorsement could you want for any uh, eating establishment if somebody's interested in keying into gluten free gatherings I'm guessing Google will reveal all Yeah it comes to the top Yeah. <laughs> so no the website's glutenfreegathering.co.uk and I run events completely sporadically there's no schedule but it's when I find somewhere that's really exciting that I want to take the gluten-free community to I invite speakers along so it's not just dinner it's a much richer event than that we have dinner we have speakers so I get people from the free from community so whether they're bakers or they're cookery teachers or they're activists or somebody with a really strong opinion about something to come and talk to us about what they're up to we have goodie bags um and we, yeah, lots of sharing and usually competitions and stuff, stuff to win. So everything is gluten free. Oh, really good. You've opened up a complete new uh, new perspective on London. I love it when that yeah. happens. Thank you for bringing us here from the Good Life Atrium. 
in Sloan Avenue. Kim Smith, thanks very much. Thank you very much, Steve. And that's all for this week. My thanks for this week to Kim Smith. Thanks to, to Bernie Barkley. Theme and incidental music was by Songs from the Howling Sea. I meant Quentin Wolfe. Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. She's at the nail salon and the grocery store. I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store.